Hey everyone, and welcome to the Survivalist Prepper Podcast. Uh, this week, Lisa and I are going to be talking about what could cause a grid down event and some of the things that that would affect. Not necessarily the supplies we need, although I'm sure we'll we'll go into that. Uh, but you know, some of the things that would cause it, and some of these are you know a little bit self explanatory. But I want to go through them all because I think you know, other than food and water, this should be one of our biggest concerns. And by that, I mean, it's involved in almost every disaster scenario you can think of, right? Or could be. Right. Well, not only is it involved in, uh, you know, it's something that really big that could happen, but your food and your water are kind of almost reliant on how you're going to, you know, take care of it, how you're going to prepare it, how are you going to get the water out of the ground? All of those things kind of, you you need electricity. We need electricity for everything we do in right. our daily lives. It's, uh, I recently, um, I've been putting together a course on alternative energy. Uh, that'll be out. I don't know when that'll be out, but that's what I'm working on now. Uh, and it goes through, you know, the different causes. I'm going to focus a lot on solar, but I also talked about, you know, the beginning stages of this stuff. And, and I mentioned how dog food, you know, dog food has nothing to do with electricity, right? Right. But when you think about how the factory has to make that dog food, they then need electricity they need to electricity. do that. Yeah. They need to run the machines. They need to have the lights on so people can see what they're doing. Good point. Uh, they, there needs to be, you know, the trucks that deliver that dog food from the factory to the stores need to have fuel. Those refineries need to have electricity to refine that oil into you know, fuel. Yep. So makes and, sense. It's all kind of interrelated. Yeah. And the grocery stores need to have their lights on so you can see where the aisle with the dog food is. Right. So something that you, you wouldn't think about has anything to do with electricity does at some, in some, some way or another. Right. So uh, with these days, electricity is just in, important for every single thing we do. And electricity is involved, could be involved in just about every disaster scenario. Right, especially if you don't have it. Yeah, and could just completely jack things up for us. So I, I think it's just as important as having that food and water is having alternative forms of energy and being able to do that stuff. So Right. Um, so we're going to talk about what some things that could cause that today, uh, as well as some of the things that it might affect. And as we're doing that, I'm sure we'll go through supplies, but we're not going to completely focus on, hey, you need this type of flashlight and you need this and that. <laughs> Um, I'm also, I just recently did a video on different types of batteries, the best batteries for uh, preparedness and most, most importantly, the storage aspect of them. Because we love batteries. Yeah. As preppers, you know, it go, kind of goes hand in hand with prepping like, like chickens and bug out bags, right? I mean, preppers have batteries. Right. We have all sorts of different tools and supplies and, and we just need the, the different types of batteries. So. Uh, I wanted to go through that because it's not as easy as it used to be, say, 20, 30 years ago. Where when it was, you had three choices? Yeah, it was one, you know, you had either disposable batteries or one type of rechargeable batteries. Now you've got all sorts of different ones, and it it can seem kind of confusing at first, but honestly, it's really not. So I want to go through, like, four of the different, the most common types of batteries and their, you know, their shelf life and all of that stuff. Well, and don't forget, we actually... 
have a tinfoil hat time. Yeah, too. what are we talking about this week? Oh, we're going to be talking about aliens. Aliens and no UFOs. Kidding. Yep, UFOs. Yep. It, it kind of has been a little while since, uh, maybe not, but you know, okay. Yeah. Uh, is there anything particular or do you, you hear well, something recently? Well, I've been listening to Clyde Lewis, of course. And so I've been doing a little bit more research um, that kind of stemmed from the Tic Tac UFO sighting that happened in Tic-tac. 2004. Yeah. Do you know why they call it the Tic Tac UFO? Not a, not because a, it's shaped like a Tic Tac? Exactly. Wow. Yes. That's why. Yep. So we'll talk a little bit about that. You alien folks are pretty witty coming right? up with crazy names like that. Oh, now they have snake UFOs too. <laughs> Is it shaped like an elephant? Yeah, exactly. Wow. You are so smart. Are you going to go over this whole storming Area 51 thing? Well, I kind of thought I would, but the Tic Tac UFO thing really kind of It's a big Tic Tac. Yeah, it's a big deal, but the the UFO or the UFO, the Area 51 thing that somebody started as an internet kind of joke has kind of snowballed and now it's actually become its own thing. So we might have to talk about that as it gets closer because that is coming up in the beginning of September. Gotcha. All right. So let's get into this first before we we get into all of that. Uh, I want to start off with the, the smaller scale things. And like I said, this may seem a little bit obvious, but I want to cover them all just to show how many different types of scenarios where a, a power outage or a complete grid down failure or something could happen. I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's one of the most likely things in our lifetime, whether we're talking something super small scale, whether like we're out of, we don't have power for three days and there's, you know, it's not mass chaos in the streets or anything like that. It's just, we've got to survive without, without power for three days. Or you didn't pay your power bill and yeah, it takes yeah, you three days yeah. to come out and turn it back on. Yeah. All the way up to the, the larger scale one. So uh, the first one I got here that this one almost fits in both categories, but it's natural disasters. Natural disasters usually will, it'll get fixed. It depends on the the scale of the natural disaster, you know, how long it takes. Mm-hmm. It depends on, you know, the power grid in your area. The one that happened in Puerto Rico, their power grid is, it just... Mishmashed together. Yeah, it's, it's pretty it's, not... I mean, right. ours is pot, hodgepodge together, but yeah. theirs is just, holy moly, you can Google some pictures of Puerto Rico and see their power lines, everything's tied into everything else. So it took a while for them, my whole point is, it took a while for them to get that stuff back up and running uh, a year after a hurricane, I believe, maybe even a little bit longer. Here in the United States, you know, Katrina, stuff like that, uh, a little bit better. Uh, we have you know, the resources and all of that stuff to get it done. So uh, a natural disaster, you're talking about a a tornado. Like if a tornado busted through our neighborhood, it may be a week or so, Yeah. you know, something like that. So probably not super long-term California places that are susceptible to like earthquakes. It depends on the magnitude, but that could be, that could be, it could be months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, depending on your area and all that. So uh, it's important to think about those. And then you also got man-made disasters. Um, this is human error, basically somebody running their car into a, a transformer. Uh, that's happened to us a few times up here mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, the power's out. It's only, what was the max the power's been out here? Like like two days, I a think, day and a I half? I think so. Yeah, and that was because of a, that was a blizzard, I believe, that the power was out for like two days, a day and a half. Yeah, so kind of a natural disaster type thing. Yeah. 
Uh, but man-made causes happen all the time. You know, cars running into the, the telephone or, or uh, electric lines and uh, all that stuff, man-made. It, it could be workers working on the things and, yeah. and jack something up. Whoops. Somebody digging a hole in their backyard and, you know, getting a, the main line. I guess that would only affect their house. It depends on where they're digging, I suppose. Right. But, uh, it, it happens all the time. Um, you kind of you mentioned environmental causes. You get the high winds, you get the yep. snowstorms, you get stuff like that that can, you know, cause those power outages. Again, those are going to be pretty short term because they're going to be able to pinpoint those pretty quickly, right? Figure out, figure out what's going on. So uh, animals could also damage that stuff. You know, birds sitting on power lines, they don't get electrocuted or anything. But you do have rodents and stuff, squirrels, raccoons. Rabbits and are notorious for chewing through power, yeah. or chewing through electrical lines. Yeah, I've even had it on my old, my black truck, uh, like 10 years ago, but where the mice had actually gone up and chewed through some of the wiring because they take that, the material on the outside of the wiring. And use the it insulation. for the nest. Yeah, they use that for bedding. So they chew through that stuff and um, my truck wouldn't start and I got in there and, you know, traced back and there's a a chewed up wire in my truck. Same type of situation when you're talking about transformers and stuff. Now, granted, these electric companies probably know where these hot spots are, where these problems have happened. So they kind of harden them, whether they put boxes or, you know, whatever around them. But it still happens. You know, squirrels chewing on, I don't know, they crawl up the whole pole and chew on a power line. I don't know how. They'd be pretty hungry. Well, and I don't know how long they'd last. I mean, maybe <laughs> they'd get through. I, I just don't know. But Animals can cause that stuff as well. So um, just a lot of little things that could cause those, you know, those inconvenient power outages, even just, you know, power company issues. Uh, they have problems here. They have problems there. As equipment gets older, it's bound to fail. That That's basically everything. Well, and supply and demand, and then they have rolling blackouts too. Yeah, depending too. on where you live. That's right. In California, that's an issue a lot. Uh, maybe New York too, I think, the bigger cities. Yeah, I think that recently just happened in New York not too long ago, actually. They were doing rolling blackouts. Yeah, and that's nothing that's, I mean, a big deal. It's, you know, a few hours here and there, but. That it's something you have to plan for. Could be but, inconvenient if you're roasting already in your house because you forgot to turn your air conditioning yeah, yeah. on. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, your turn for a rolling blackout. That that could be not very much well, fun. Well, if you're a prepper, then that's just, you know, practice sessions. That's a drill. Yep, that's a drill. Every time they do one, it's, yep. it's drill time. <laughs> I can see you getting all excited. Oh, it's drill time. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe the first two times or so. And then it'd be like, all right, this is a bunch of crap. This is a bunch <laughs> of horse malarkey. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the, the basic ones. There's a lot of different things that my whole point with this is there's a lot of different things that could cause the grid to go down. Whether you're talking about a few hours, you're talking about a few days, or you're talking about something longer. Uh, having the basic stuff to get through that stuff. And even, you know, sometimes not so basic, like we're going to talk about in a bit, if you have uh, health equipment in your home. Yeah. That, if you had oxygen or a CPAP machine or something. and That you absolutely need. You yeah. have to have. And then, you know, something happens in the middle of the night and that stops working. That could be really bad. Yeah, that's super important to have that stuff ready, that backup power. So as far as the larger events go, there's a few things that could cause that too. The main one being uh, the one we all think about all the time, the EMP. Uh, that's one that is pretty scary because who knows? 
right. how long that lasts. Yep. Yeah, I guess EMP and CME both together, uh, they do kind of, the, they're, they're caused by different things, but they do the, the same thing basically to the power grid anyway. Yeah. Um, that, you know, that's something that with the transformers, you know, I've heard numbers thrown around a while back. I don't know how true they are anymore, but we only have a couple transformers that are here in the United States. Uh, they're made overseas, so it would take forever to actually get those made, depending on, you know, how many of them were blown out. Right. If, you, if you're talking about something that took out the whole United States and took out 20, 30 transformers, that could be a long, long time. Yep. And all the stuff that happens in between when it happened and when the power gets back on, you're talking about the die-off, you're talking about a whole bunch of different things uh, that go on in that time frame. Just because there's no electricity. Yeah. And that, I mean, you don't you, you don't really want to think about that because you think, well, that could never happen. But I mean, they've reported it on the news. Of course, we know how much we trust the news, but it's been yeah. reported over and over again that it's just too expensive to have these backup parts here. And, you know, it's like they don't react to they're, they're not planning, but they're they're more reactionary. So when it happens, then we'll do something about it. It's because it's it cuts into their bottom line. Right. Having something, you know, put in a warehouse somewhere and just that's sitting not there. doing anything that costs millions of dollars. And and they just, could have not, that. They could yeah. have that millions of dollars. Yeah. A CEO for one of these power companies does that. They're finding another CEO. Right. And that's just the way until something happens and like, oh, we should have done this. You know, it's easier to to. Uh, What's that saying? It's easier to ask, or ask forgiveness than ask permission. That's yep. basically the all companies' mentality. You know, when something happens, we'll address it. We'll apologize. We'll make everything better. But Pe until then, we'll just cross our fingers and hope nothing yeah. happens. Yeah, and people have such short memory spans anyway. Right. You know, we'll we'll just we'll just cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, but yeah, CMEs, EMPs, those are the the big ones, and they're. Pretty unlikely, although it's getting more and more likely as as the days and months go by, uh, with the you know these different countries and their technology, and, yeah. and and that includes us, right? Making different types of nuclear, yeah, um, that can take out. It's yeah. almost that first strike type thing nowadays. Is you know if we can take out the infrastructure, uh, you know that makes our job you know getting in there and, and taking over a little bit easier. Right. Because they don't want to, you know, have a nuclear detonation on the ground because then that's going to contaminate everything. But if you do something up in the air, all that's going to do is, um, you cut off communications, you cut off, communications, you, you, you cut off electricity and then you get the die off and then you can move, move on in. Yeah. And it's harder for people to coordinate. It's right. yeah. It's it just, yeah. I, I just, I think it's a, Become it's a big deal and becoming bigger and bigger as the days go by. Uh, and a CME, you just never know. Yeah, I mean, wasn't there a, a near miss? I mean, just a couple of weeks ago. Actually, that was with a meteorite. That was. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, what it was. It was. Uh, well, that could take out the electric grid. That could too. take out a lot. <laughs> yep. There, it was a meteor. It actually came from behind the sun, so they couldn't see it. And I can't remember the name of it, but it was 43,000 miles away from Earth. Now, that might seem like a really far, you know, it's really far away. And it is. But take into consideration that the moon is 200,000 miles away from us. I think the most alarming part of that is they didn't see it. They didn't see it, it until behind the sun or yeah, something. And it right? came from around from the back of the sun. So they couldn't see it. And the most alarming thing to me was that they didn't say anything. 
they just kind of crossed their fingers that yeah. it was going to miss us, and thankfully it did. But I mean, we're we're on a big giant rock hurtling through space. There's if that's going to happen, things like that are going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the odds of that really unlikely because yeah. of you know just the the odds are just astronomical. But wow, something like that. I mean, you'd have bigger issues than finding batteries for your flashlight. Something right. like that happened. Right. But <laughs> thankfully, we have um, our gas giant friends. So here's our little astronomy lesson today. The reason we don't get hit with a lot of these um, meteorites or meteors and asteroids and stuff is because most of the time Jupiter pulls them into their, into Jupiter. Oh yeah. He's the protector. On he's the, the protector. Of the... Yeah. He's, what do you call it? What, what is that for the football people? I don't know. What, offensive lineman. He's an offensive lineman. He's <laughs> protecting us. Yeah. So yeah. CMEs. I mean, it's and and asteroids and stuff like that. Uh, comets and stuff, you know, uh, unlikely. But a CME is more likely than an asteroid hitting us or anything. Right. The CME is going to happen at some point, just like the Carrington event. Right. And right uh, now, we're, I know we're in a solar minimum, so there's not a lot of activity on the sun, but I think it is starting to ramp up. There are some little dark spots on it. But, yeah. And, and then we'll go to a solar maximum, which, you know. Yeah, and it's one of those right place, right time. Yep. Everything's lined up. And, and you know, the severity of it, that could be something that's pretty small. It could be something that's pretty big. I mean, if the Carrington event, happened today like it happened back then when it, all there was all the, the, the technology telegraph. was was the telegraph yeah the the things that it would affect these days i mean we don't really know but it would be a whole lot more be a lot because bigger. everything we have right involves electronic yep. yeah okay so the next one i have terrorism events this is something that wouldn't cause a large-scale type event i don't think more they don't have hopefully yeah, they don't have the capacity to do that unless you're talking about a terrorist group backed by Iran that's got, you know, the means to to have an EMP weapon, EMP right. type weapon or uh, get the EMP over here. But it would be smaller scale stuff. It could be domestic terrorists, too, that decide that or these eco warriors, right? That decide, I'm going to take out this power plant and I'm going to make a point. Uh, and it, you know, jacks up your neighborhood for a month or a week or, you know, however long that happens. But. Um, terrorism is something that it is possible. It, it's, you know, not one of the big ones I think I'd be worried about too much. Terrorists do a lot of other crap that, that are far worse than, you know, blowing up a power plant or something like that. I think there's a lot of things they can do that would make a bigger point right. than doing something like that. But it is something that, that, that could happen. Uh, the other one that I'm a little bit more concerned about on kind of the same type of thing is the cyber attacks. Yeah, uh, those with, seem like they've been happening more frequently too, mm -hmm. on smaller scale. But they're the the mass media or whatever you want to call them, the not media, they don't really report on stuff like that. Yeah, they don't. And what's crazy about that stuff is it's not the hackers in their mom's basements and stuff anymore. No, it's these like, hackers work for governments, right? Yeah, so the the governments uh, are the biggest hackers out there. They're the the you know the biggest cyber guys out there. The the three-letter agencies and, you know, Russia and, you know, who knows what they could actually the do. USA, yeah. Yeah, what we could do, what they could do. I mean, it's one of those things, just like the the military technology and stuff. You don't know what we have until it's time to use it. Right. And then you find out about this brand new jet we have or these tanks or whatever. Right. And the same thing is true with this cyber technology is if 
we don't know what we'd actually have until, say, Russia or China decides to attack. And then all of a sudden... Then they're going to let us in on it. Yeah, well, then they're going to have to because we're going to find out that how the hell did they take out their whole Eastern Coast power grid or whatever in this military base? Uh, So, and, and, you know, the same thing kind of goes, I suppose, for when you talk about civil war uh, here in the United States, which I, I personally think is unlikely, even though our tensions are pretty high recently with you know, people not being allowed to have an opinion without getting chastised and scolded. But, um, you know, if it came down to the government was going to get overthrown, like, you know, some of the stuff going on in Venezuela, yeah, you know, what, how willing would the government be to do something like that on us? Like, Hey, we can't, we can't kill them, but we can flip this switch (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, calm them down a little bit, get the paddle out and spank them. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, it's cyber attacks and even, you know, even the, the rogue groups and stuff like that, even, you know, it kind of goes with terrorism. If the terrorists had that type of capability, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not sure that they would because they're, you know, pretty, pretty ragtag, uh, and they don't have much of a lifespan. Usually the terrorist groups like Al Qaeda a few years, and then all of a sudden they turn into ISIS and then a few years and turn into something else. Yeah. So but it's it's something to think about. Cyber terrorism, cyber everything these days is is super important. Your well, money, it's, your... yeah, and it's just like it's almost instantaneous. Yeah, yeah. you know. So it, it, there's a lot. Yes, it takes a lot of work to do something like that. But it, you get a lot bigger bang for your buck if you're going to do something like that versus, you know, one on one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the last one I've got here, which kind of ties into a you know a, a number of these other than the natural causes, but uh, war. Because of, you know, the the stuff that's going on, it could be bombs dropping. It could be the cyber stuff we talked about. War has the possibility of doing a whole lot more than just the power grid. Yep. Uh, but that's something as well. And and one I just thought about as well is an economic collapse. We don't think about an economic collapse being something that's going to take out the power grid. But if you don't have a job, you know, depending on the type of collapse, if it's a full-blown collapse, that's going to wreak havoc all over the place uh, are the power companies going to be able to supply the power where they do are you personally going to be able to afford to pay your electric bill right you know if if that type of thing happens so uh, an economic collapse the same thing basically anything you can think of could cause some sort of a grid down event there is potential yeah yeah some are mainly focused on that and some are you know it could be a byproduct of all that stuff but my whole point is that we we are reliant on electricity so much these days for every single thing we do. Uh, it's important to have those those options. And we're, we're never, you know, unless you got a whole lot of money and you can put in uh, a solar system and all that, you're never going to be able to replace everything you have and live exactly like we do these days if something happens. Right. It's going to, it would take a lot, even if you were a multimillionaire. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they could. They could. They probably have their little bunker underground with all the power they need. Right, but it's still not going to be the same as living above ground. No, that's true. They'd still have the same amenities and all that. It'd just be it'd be different because it's underground, no sunlight and all that. Uh, but it is. It's one of those things that we have to do what we can do. So if that means even just the little stuff, um, which we're going to go over here about what's going to be affected, that little stuff that's super important, uh, phones and laptops and stuff like that. That's the you know, the, the one that we kind of think about at first, how am I going to turn on my phone, you know, my laptop? Yeah, I need my phone. It's yeah. connected to Google. They need to connect to me. Yeah, that's another one too, the internet. 
it will, you know, depending on how large scale that, that type of situation is, uh, the internet could be down. Maybe it's just a simple power outage, right? So your, uh, you know, the power may be out in your house, but your phone would still work or your laptop would still work. Uh, well, your laptop, your, your internet would be hooked to your home, so that wouldn't work. But cell phones rely on cell phone towers. So the internet on your cell phones would work as long as you had a way to keep those charged. Right. Um, but, you know, larger scale type things that, you know, it could be the whole internet's down in your state, your county, whatever. There's no way uh, to get information over the internet. So you have to figure out other ways of information gathering, whether that's ham radio, shortwave radios, all of that different stuff. Uh, so that's important to to kind of think about when that when your information pipeline is cut off, you need the stuff. You know, it's not just about turning on the lights. Uh, you need that stuff to be able to get that information. Uh, the other big one, which is kind of obvious to a, a lot of preppers, especially, is refrigeration. Yeah. Uh, all the food you have in your refrigerator, if it's a short-term power outage you know, not a big deal. You don't just go in and out of the refrigerator. It's going to stay cool enough uh, for most, you know, regular power outages. A couple of days, uh, if it's lasted, if it's going to last longer than a couple of days, maybe two or three days, three or four days, you hook up a power inverter to your car, run an extension cord into the house uh, and hook that up and run your refrigerator 15, 20 minutes a day. Ooh, and you know, a really good thing that you can put in your freezer to see if you've had a power outage and like, let's say that you're going to be, you've been away from home for, you went on vacation or something, or even, I think it's just a good thing to keep in there all the time. You take a Dixie cup and you put water in it, you freeze it in, freeze the water in the Dixie cup. So I have it completely frozen. Then you take a coin, uh, a quarter, a penny or a nickel, something like that. And you put it, set it on top of the frozen water that's in the Dixie cup. Then periodically you check on that and see if the coin is still on top of the so frozen. So if it's melted at all, right. it'll sink a little bit. Yeah, if it's, that's interesting. Yeah, so if the if the water, you know, if the power goes out for an extended period of time, enough, long enough to melt all of the water, or long enough to melt the ice in the Dixie cup, your quarter is going to be on the bottom. It's so be like frozen. if you're if you're gone or you haven't checked it in, say the power goes out four or five days. Yeah. And then you come back two weeks later and everything's already frozen again. Yeah. You know that it's not, you're not, you know, heating up a steak or something that's spoiled. Right. <laughs> right. But it's just something, you know, kind of silly, but at the same time, kind of important because you don't really think about it. Yeah. And you could be coming home and, and using food, when the refrigerated food, the milk might smell pretty sour, but the stuff in the freezer, if you didn't know. Yeah, true. Uh, with refrigeration too, I mean, that's that's what we do as preppers. We try to figure out alternatives for all of this stuff. So we're probably pretty set for that. But there are some things, you know, you mentioned milk, uh, cheese. There's some options for cheese, but you're not going to be able to have the good cheese. It's going to be that powdered stuff. Uh, meat is going to be pretty tough unless you've got the canned stuff and all that. Uh, fresh meat, not going to happen. I mean, they've got canned chicken, canned tuna, canned hamburger. they got... They got, they got canned, canned everything. everything. Yeah. yeah, even bacon. Yeah, but refrigeration is going to be one of those big things that that we need to be thinking about. And this goes for all sorts of dis different disasters. So, Well, and not only for your food, but if you are a diabetic and your insulin has to be refrigerated. So, Yep, absolutely. Yep. you got to be able to keep that nice and cool. Yep. Uh, another one is cooking. Cooking is one of those things we kind of take for granted, but 
you know, we've got the long-term food storage stuff. You got the canned foods, you know, all that stuff can be, be done pretty easily. You got the backyard grills, maybe you got camp stoves, Coleman stoves, stuff like that. Uh, but baking anything going to be almost impossible unless you have, like we sun have the sun oven. oven. Yes. Yep. Uh, you, we have that. Uh, cooking is going to be tough. And then you're thinking about water. You're going to need water for all of this stuff. If For most things, you need that stove to boil. Not most things, but a lot of things. You need that stove to boil the water, uh, cook the spaghetti or the macaroni or whatever you're cooking in it, boil the eggs, hard boil your eggs and all that. So you got to have that. Now, granted, these days, some of the, the backyard propane grills, they have the side burners on them. Right. So that would work as well. But You've got to think about all those things. How are you going to cook? If it's something that's that's longer, large scale, you've also got to think about the smells you're giving off right. and the invitation you're sending out to the neighbors and all that. Yep, because just because you can cook doesn't necessarily mean your neighbors can cook. Yeah, or maybe, you know, they had food in their refrigerator. They don't have any long-term food stored, so their food's all out. And all of a sudden, here comes this wafting smell of some really good stuff uh, because you had the foresight to prepare for it. And they're knocking on your door. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Well, what's going on over here? Yeah. And I mean, I think it would be a lot more challenging, especially if you live in a small, you know, a community with lots of houses. So suburbia or an apartment or condo complex or something. I think it's going to be a lot more challenging to keep those scents away. But it's something to think about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another one we briefly touched on this earlier is the health equipment, uh, depending on your your needs, your family needs, uh, that can be super important. It could mean needing and having a battery bank or a, some, some kind of solar setup is an absolute necessity. If you have those oxygen, oxygen machines or like you were talking about, the CPAP machines, all that stuff, it's an absolutely ne absolute necessity for survival. Kind of along the same lines is that heating and cooling stuff too, especially for elderly Ooh, people. Yes. Uh, if it's too hot, if it's, you know, if it gets too cold, if that's for all people, not just elderly people, uh, if it gets too cold, uh, you've got to figure out what your options are for that. Uh, other, otherwise you turn into a dude sickle and it's over dude with. Sickle. Yeah. I uh, would turn into a dude. I think sickle? you'd be a chick sickle, but I'd, I'd be, be a, a dude sickle. sickle. Okay. Uh, but the, the cooling too, people in Arizona, the Southern States that, you know, that, that have to live in those temperature controlled homes and stuff being too hot when you're elderly, um, you know, not, not good. <laughs> no, well, it's not, I mean, it's just very uncomfortable to, to be hot period. I mean, just as an example, we went to my parents' house and it was what, 90 degrees outside. And I think the humidity, it wasn't horrible, but there was a ton of people in the house and they don't have air conditioning. So it was like, I'm going to go stand outside because it's cooler outside in 90 degrees than it is inside your house. Yeah. Yep. All right, so the last one I want to do because we're I still have to get the battery stuff and you still got to talk about your aliens. So uh, the last one is the public services. Uh, if this is, you know, if it's just affecting your neighborhood, probably not a big deal. But if it's, you know, a larger scale type situation, that could mean, you know, depending on if the water company lost their power or the place that supplies you water, sewage. Uh, if it's something that's, you know, you know, weeks or so, I mean, that could affect trash removal, stuff like that. Uh, it could affect people's ability to actually get fuel into the vehicles that they need to, uh, need to. Uh, now, I'm, I'm going like large scale here because 
even in a small scale type situation, even if they have to travel an hour outside the city to get fuel in their trucks, they're going to do that. They're going to do it. Yeah. But uh, it could affect all of that stuff. Uh, sewage and stuff like that wouldn't affect us too much out here uh, because we have the septic system and all of that. But in apartment buildings, I mean, it, it, oh, it could. Yeah. yeah, there's just a lot of a lot of things you don't really think about with a power outage that happen when the power goes out. And then you're like, oh, crap. Now I got literally. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of different things to think about when it comes to a power outage. And that's why it's important uh, that we do have all of these, you know, these supplies and these alternative methods of energy and uh, trying to figure out when something does happen, what we can do. Because the odds are something either has or is going to happen to us, happen to us in our lifetime, whether it's just a day or two, whether it's a few hours or, you know, something much longer which is what we kind of all prepare for, that EMP type situation, the war, the, the national scale type stuff. But what I want to do now is go over some different types of batteries. And this, this kind of goes into the, you know, having all of these supplies things. But what I wanted to do is talk about batteries for storage, because with, with preparing, it's, you know, we have supplies where we use batteries all the time. and It's not a big deal. But we also have, we have our lights out kit, which yes. is basically a kit that when something happens and if something, even if, even with us, that we do know what's going on, it's something we know exactly where it is. We go grab it. That's the first it's kind of a, yep. a head start yep. on getting, you know, you know, the things that we need, whether it's, you know, middle of the night and the lights go out, you grab a flashlight, you run out, you get the power, lights out kit. And then we can hit, hook up the inverter, the generator, whatever we need to do. The stuff is in that kit. So um, having in that kit, there's batteries, which is my whole point. And in that kit, those batteries just kind of stay there until we check it once a year. Uh, so it's it's the batteries that are in that. When we have to use that kit, we don't want the batteries to be 50% full. Right. We want or, them to be way full. Or alkaline batteries that are just corroded and have you know leaked and got over everything else. That corrosion is all over the place. We've all, at one point or another, I'm sure I have, um, opened a flashlight that has had batteries in it for a couple of years. Yeah. And it's that corrosion or the back of a radio. Yeah. Uh, you open the radio, the compartment, the battery compartment, and it's just it's just trashed. Uh, if that is, if those batteries are left in there long enough, that can destroy the radio, that can destroy the flashlight, all sorts of things. So. That's caused by alkaline batteries. So number one, don't leave alkaline batteries. Or wait, number one, alkaline, don't use alkaline yeah. batteries. Number two, don't leave batteries in those electronics. Alkaline batteries are just a no-no, absolutely not for storage. Yeah. Don't you can use alkaline batteries in your TV remotes and and all that stuff if you because want. Because you're gonna get them replaced. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and you're gonna use them, so they're not gonna sit in there for that extended period of time. Uh, with which I'm going to go through here, there's a lot of better options than the alkaline. So I would just say don't even have them. But if you do, you do. Uh, they're a little bit less expensive than, you know, the the lithium batteries or the nickel-based batteries. But, you know, it's up to you. So I want to go through um, four of the most common types, the best types of batteries to use for your storage. Me personally, I like the N loops or the N loops. I'm not real sure. I, I keep saying N loops, but it's E and E, so probably N loops. I like N loops. I like yeah. the name N loops. But they're what they are. They have two different types. They have the NIMH, which is nickel based batteries. They have the NIMH and the NMI, 
N-I-M-H-L-S-D, low self-discharge oh, batteries. LSD batteries. Yeah, I know. That's what I yeah. thought when I first saw it too. Wow. What do you got to do with those batteries? <laughs> you chew on those batteries and they, they make you see stuff. They make you forget about the disaster altogether. Uh, but the NIMH batteries, uh, the, the normal ones have a pretty high self-discharge rate, uh, meaning if they just sit there, they're going to discharge over the course of like a year. I've got this chart at survivalsprepper.net that I'll, I'll make sure and link to this article I wrote on these and it, it did a video and all that it gives you a really good idea about these batteries. But self-discharges, if it's just sitting there for a year or so, all, all on its own, it's going to discharge the power it has stored 15 to 25%. Uh, the low self-discharge ones, the reason these are so great is they only discharge 2 to 3%. Uh, and these, the Eneloop actually states that after 10 years, it'll still retain 70% of its charge. So basically 3% a year is what it'll discharge. And then all you have to do is just stick them back in the charger and recharge. That's what was going to be my question. These are rechargeable yeah, batteries. Yeah, the only okay. one that I have on this little chart I made that I'll have at the website is the lithium iron batteries made by Energy. They're the lithium ultimate, I think is what they're called. Uh, but those are awesome batteries too. The only thing is they're not rechargeable, but their self-discharge rate is is super, it's the lowest of any of the batteries. It's one to 2%, meaning if you're going to store those, um, they're going to hold, basically hold their charge, probably the same as the antelope, maybe a little bit better. So they'll probably have 80% of their charge after 10 years. And these are lithium batteries by Energizer? Lithium iron, Li not ion, lithium iron. Lithium iron. Iron. Yeah, they're the lithium or the Energizer Ultimate is what they're called. Okay. Uh, they last, they've got the longest shelf life of any of the other batteries too, 20 years. Uh, they cost around 12 bucks for a four pack of double A's. Uh, the milliamp hours in these batteries is, you know, 3000, whereas the Eneloops are like 2000 or, you know, the other ones are like 1000 to 2000, but they're not rechargeable. When you factor in the recharges, uh, in a loop batteries, you can recharge them. Uh, they say 2,000 times. You're probably looking at 500 to 1,000. Uh, when you factor in that 2,000 or 1,000 milliamp hours they are times 1,000. That's a lot. You're getting a lot more than the Energizers, yes. Right. The trade-off is, though, with the Energizers, you don't need a charger. Right. You, you pull them out and you can use them. Uh, the Energizer lithium iron batteries only come in AA, AAA, and 9 volt. So if you need Ds and stuff like that, you've got to figure out a different alternative. Uh, the Eneloop batteries only come in AA and AAA, but they they have adapters. So if you have a at something that requires D batteries or C batteries, you can put uh, these AA's in those, and they they should work in your device. They're not going to last as long because they they don't have the capacity. Converted, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the NICD batteries are kind of a thing of the past. They're not the greatest battery, especially for long-term storage. They lose between seven and ten. Their self-discharge is seven to ten percent per month. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. So after a year, you're basically going to have a dead battery. Yeah. So if you don't charge those once a year, uh, they're just not good. They're super cheap, mm -hmm. but they are just. There's so many different options available. There's so much more that, new technology, huh? Yeah, and and people are going with the lithium is just growing, growing in popularity, and the nickel based. They're also not good for the environment. If you have right. nickel based batteries, you got to figure out how to dispose of them. Can't just throw them, or you're not supposed to just throw them in the trash. Uh, but they do come in all sorts of different sizes. These are mainly the ones that they use in 
like the battery compartments that you can't get to and stuff, or yard lights, motion sensors, those low drain type devices. That's where these are used mainly. Uh, as far as preppers and long-term storage, those kind of put right next to your alkaline batteries and don't put them in your storage. Uh, there's just a lot of better options. So the the main the main ones that that I suggest are the NIMH, the nickel-based batteries, the lithium iron, which are the energy batter or energizer batteries. Those those are awesome for preppers and long-term storage. Uh, lithium ion batteries, those are the ones that are in your laptops, you know, maybe your cameras. All, they're, they're just all sorts of different shapes and sizes. They do make these that are like double A sized, but they're not double A's. So uh, I just wanted to mention this because they're 3.7 volts. All these other batteries I've been talking about are either 3.5 or 3.2. If you put a 3.7 volt um, battery in your, your, your just radio or something that takes a normal AA battery, you, you, you might fry the radio. It might not work at all. So... Good Just pay attention to voltage. Now, the one thing with this, the the rechargeable batteries are 1.2 volts. The non-rechargeable batteries are 1.5 volts. They're, it's basically the same thing, even though it's not. Um, it's the way they list. Non-rechargeable batteries, they list the their like peak voltage. I can't remember what the word is, but they list the the voltage when it's full where the rechargeable batteries list their nominal voltage, which basically means when they're under load. So uh, a non-rechargeable battery, it'll degrade over time. Over time so right. it'll end up at that 1.2 anyway. Right. So, so they work. We have the Antelope batteries in television remotes and all sorts of different things, and it, it, it's, it's just fine. So uh, that's the only difference. You don't want to go above that 1.5 volts. So but going a little bit below is okay. Yeah, if you go too below, too it's below, not it's not going to work. And there may be some devices where those that 1.2 volts just not going to work. Right. Okay. Uh, but for the most part, it's going to work. Uh, like I said, I go into a lot more detail about this. The, the video I did uh, and the article that I have over at survivalsprepper.net uh, goes into quite a bit more detail about that. So I'll leave the link to that on the show notes. Uh, but uh, let's go ahead and what, what do you got for us? Well, as first, far as I aliens? have to tell you, I never thought I would really want to learn this much about batteries, but you just made me really interested in it. So and then well, and it, it's confusing when you don't know about it because it's like, I just figure I'm going to go I buy need a battery. It. I need a battery. I'm just going to get a freaking battery out of the thing. But obviously, I'm yeah. now I'm going to look and say, oh, nope, I don't want that battery. I want this battery. Yep. And I what's cool about this article, too, is I put together this cool chart. The that, chart is awesome. Yeah. It just, you look at it and you can tell right away. OK, this right. is different. This is different. I remember this is what he said. This is what he said. So, yeah. Yeah. Very, makes it really easy. Good job, Dale. That was great. Thank you, ma'am. Now let's really get down good. to reality. Now, now let's get down to what's we'll talk really about some important. Extraterrestrials. Extraterrestrials? No, we're not talking about extraterrestrials. We're talking about UFOs. Oh, we're talking about what they fly in. Yes, but if you think about it, see, you just proved or, a very good point. Or what the military is exactly. flying in. Exactly, but you just brought up a really good point. UFOs and ETs kind of go hand in hand. If you talk about UFOs, if you say UFO, everybody thinks automatically that you're talking about aliens or little green spacemen, which isn't always the case. So keep yeah. that in mind when we're talking about this. Well, it's hard to not think that when you got, you know, you're watching these TV you shows and you me. got some Yahoo that looks like a Chia pet talking about how it could be or it's possible that. Yeah, but we're not talking about him. We're talking about real life here. Okay. Okay. So, well, the Cold War may be over, but just 
because the Cold War is over doesn't mean that the secret space war is over. I think the secret space race program, whatever you want to call it, I think that's really kind of heating up. So lately there's been lots of reports of UFOs that are surfacing or resurfacing. Um, the big one that comes to mind, and I talked about it in the beginning, is the Tic Tac UFO. Remember the Tic Tac UFO? Yeah. We talked about that. So there's been a resurgence of this UFO sighting with Navy pilots tracking the UFO. Now that happened in 2004. And I'm sure you haven't heard or seen the YouTube videos of the guys going, hey, what the heck was that? Woohoo, look at him no, going. I don't follow that very closely. It's usually when I'm glancing over at what you're paying attention to that I catch bits and pieces yeah, of that stuff. Yeah, and I think it was on um, that show that was on the Sci-Fi Channel, Unexplained. It, it was on there a lot, yeah. or the History Channel. They were talking about the Tic Tac UFO a lot. Now, this Tic Tac UFO is like, it's been around for a while? 2004. Oh, That's I thought you were yeah. talking like 40s and 50s. No, when, no, 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 no. no. no just this 2004. One, 2004 is when it first So they just got came here. Out. Yeah, they just got here. Okay. They're new guys. Okay. <laughs> so, but now it seems that as we're moving forward, the um, basically in UFO reporting, Navy and military personnel are actually being encouraged now to report when they come across something like this or when there's like something odd. Whereas before they'd be like kind of hush hush, they wouldn't talk about it, they wouldn't report it because they, you know, were in fear of losing their job. Or they'd say something and then they'd be get told to, you know, you shut to your shut, mouth. Yeah, shut your mouth. Or shut you're your gonna face off. you're gonna be disappeared. Yeah, yeah. Or we're gonna Hillary Clinton you. Yeah. <laughs> but it just now, I think it's really interesting how the tables have kind of turned, and now there, and it could be because there's more you know, documentation, more evidence of these sightings coming available because we have, you know, cameras, we have, everybody's got a cell phone in their pocket. Unavoidable that it's going to come out. Right. So the government is now saying that, yes, please come forward. But what's also interesting is the Navy is now referring to incidents like these as incursions. So basically that's Navy speak for an invasion because they don't know what it is. You're, you're sure they're not saying, hey, come to us before you go to them so we can, you know, kind of filter this stuff out. Hey, let us know first. This is a serious deal. You see this little green dude running around with big eyes. Let us know first. Well, if, if you have an incursion with a little green dude. An incursion means an invasion. So that means the little green dudes are invading. This is according to the Navy. Anyway. I hate when that happens. But there's been a presence of mysterious objects in restricted airspace um, over on the U.S. East Coast which is becoming like common knowledge among among those who are like flying airplanes or aircraft. And Commercial and military? No, these are no, it's military because it's all restricted air. That's where I get a little bit you know, the commercial dudes don't see anything, but it's always the military. No, 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 dudes. no, no. The commercial dudes see stuff too, but they're the same thing. They don't report it because they don't want to lose their, you know, license. They don't want to lose their ability to fly. But there's a lot of commercial see the pilots. Psychiatrist. Yeah. There's been a lot of commercial pilots that have come forward when they can have their identity protected to keep them and, you know, keep them flying, keep them employed because they don't want to say that and then turn around, even if they do see something. And they're actually on Clyde Lewis. I know, big surprise. There was actually, and I can't remember when this took place, but there were like three different commercial airliners in this space and they, they saw something and they were actually communicating with each other back and forth. And they were trying to figure out how fast this thing was flying or, Hey, did you see that? Did you see that? And all three of these commercial pilots actually were talking about it. 
So that was really cool. Interesting. Yeah, you can see that on if you go back on listen to Clyde Lewis, any of his podcasts, or just go to his website, um, groundzeromedia.org, and he has like all kinds of UFO stuff. It's fascinating. Okay. I didn't mean to sidetrack you. We got a few minutes left. So Okay. So going back to the different things, the mysterious objects that are flying in restricted airspace, a lot of the pilots or people that fly there, they they know about them. And, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, there's just these things flying out here. But that makes me wonder is if it's not like extraterrestrial, but more what is our government doing? What kind of crafts are our is our government or our military putting together? And maybe that's, you know, accounts for a lot of the different types of aircraft that we're seeing in. Yeah. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier with, you don't know what they got until you need to know what they got. Right. Right. Exactly. But also maybe it's not ours. Maybe it's a different country because just because we have the technology doesn't mean that other people. So that's why they want them to report it is because maybe the Russians or the Chinese got some new technology, spying technology. Yeah. Could be. Or maybe Hitler came back. So it has nothing to do with aliens. Is that what I'm hearing you say? It could be very well. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, I buy that theory more uh, because technology is advancing so much and, Maybe we've got this technology to do this stuff, so we're kind of thinking, hey, these these guys probably do. Exactly. China steals everything from us, so they got to have it too. Right. Well, but the reason that makes me think that way is because, like in you know the restricted airspace that pilots are seeing these little crafts or these different type of crafts that are unidentified. This has actually been reported um, in the Arabian Gulf and like in Syria uh, in 2015. So about a decade after the first report of the Tic Tac UFO, the Tic Tac UFO incident, I guess you could call it, this has actually happened there too, not necessarily with the Tic Tac, but unidentified flying aircraft over in Syria or the Arabian Gulf, because that makes me think it's not just us, that, you know, it could be terrestrial, you know, different countries coming up with this engineer maybe they reverse engineered something and so maybe it's not just us but they're looking at things too which could totally tie into the whole you know causing an emp causing a power outage like on a wide scale maybe they've got stuff that that we don't but yeah but maybe that's why the government wants people to come or you know pilots to come forward the military does now and it's really interesting so two weeks ago It was reported that a group of U.S. senators, including the vice chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, received a classified briefing about a series of reported encounters by the U.S. Navy with unidentified aircraft. So this is coming forward from 2004. Then we go to 2015. Now we're talking two weeks ago. It's like all of this stuff is kind of coming to a head. And it's just interesting that, I mean, even the president is being grilled about his knowledge of UFOs lately. And this was not, this is not on Sci-Fi Channel. This is on ABC News and wait for it, Dale, Fox News actually was talking to the president about what his inside information is on UFOs. Yes, that was on Fox News. Did you see that? I didn't because I I don't watch much anymore. Any of that stuff, it drives me bonkers, but. Well, and going back to the Tic Tac incident, I mean, that seems like where a lot of this is coming from. So that you have these military pilots, they actually captured it on video. You can, you can see it. You can, if you go to YouTube or even do a Google, Google search for Tic Tac video or Tic Tac UFO, you, you can hear the, 
uh, Navy guys, Navy pilots going, woohoo, what is that? You can, you can see it too. But it just, it's very interesting that that information surfaced and I, it, it just has become like more popular, I'd say within the last six it's like months to a year. like normalizing it. Yeah. But going back to that, something that they're not talking about is that it's not as widely reported, but there was another object this was the like the size of a 737 it was submerged in the water that later disappeared so the pilots actually saw this object in the water submerged and then when their attention was turned to the tic tac ufos then it was gone so it was like the tic tac ufos were distraction distraction or (laughs) they were trying you know to protect whatever that object was until it could disappear so I just think it's really interesting that all of this stuff with this Tic Tac UFO incident, there's like a resurgence in the whole, you know, UFO phenomenon. And it's just really interesting of how it kind of. I still think there's a reason, especially with all the cameras and all that stuff, that nobody has gotten conclusive proof of aliens. They're not, you know, maybe I'm they are ta- that I'm, smart. But, but I'm not talking about aliens. I'm just talking about. Yeah. The craft and maybe unidentified. Right. And it could be, oh, you made me sound like the ancient aliens yeah. guy. No, but perhaps it could be that it's our it's possible own, that our own military, our own government that is making these craft because they can you make You should have said it's more likely that <laughs> because they can make the evidence, the proof of it, disappear. We we all know that they can make things disappear. So yeah, or distract us. Yes. You know, we're easily distracted as humans. So yes. they just gotta make something else happen. Yeah. You know, if if we actually did, you know, if if somebody actually did take a picture of some Chinese military thing or whatever, first they'd get silenced real quick. Right. You'd be black helicopters and stuff at your front door. And then if it did make it out to the mainstream media or something, something would happen. Right. Something bigger. Well, and I don't know if you knew this or not, but there actually is a let me find it. There actually is an international UFO Congress. That's this is this is like on the download. This isn't for public knowledge, but they convene on September third and they talk about things. You know, did they are they like UFO related governmental or yeah. are they just like they elected themselves no, like George no, Sakalakis no, or whatever his no, name this is. This is like secret stuff that it's it's like what would we do if if the aliens came, what would we do if they landed on the white house lawn? Die. Yeah, but it's all, it's all (laughs) secret, but that actually happens September 3rd. So who knows what could come out of that? And who knows? I mean, two years from now, we might be actually talking about what these crafts are. Cause if you, I mean, we haven't come up with any like stealth technology or that we know of. We 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 haven't had a military conflict. Right. But those haven't, yeah, but those haven't come out and it'll, I mean, it's been a long time since, they've revealed something like that. So it just makes me think that a lot of the things that we well, do we, see is they revealed the, the drones and stuff like that yeah. that they used in it's like the Middle a, East. But Yeah, it's like on a need to know basis. Yeah, they they haven't yeah, I mean who knows what they're working on, yeah. Right. So, so I don't know if it's extraterrestrial or terrestrial, but it's really interesting. It's unidentified. It terrestrial is ident- unidentified, object. yes. It's a UT Unidentified terrestrial object, UTOs. UTOs. And I think they have another name for them, but I can't think of that offhand. Reality objects? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, that's it for this week, everyone. Uh, We're going to try to have a podcast here in the near future about, uh, you know, extra earning extra cash and budgeting. 
extra cash, oh. uh, earning money for prepping and stuff like that, budgeting and stuff like that. Uh, we've got a, a friend of the show that was is going to come on, and you and her can talk about your, you know, your wheeling and dealing and the stuff you guys do that, oh, yeah. uh, that to make some extra cash to earn a little bit more for whatever you know, we want. Prepping your, your batteries, your flashlights, my or whatever you need. For my yeah. Hats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Need that heavy-duty double-ply stuff. That's right. Tinfoil on the outside, but it's lined on the inside, so you don't have to feel like soaking <laughs> in your brain. Yeah. All right. With that, uh, take care and prepare, everyone. We will talk to you later. Goodbye.